Amen. Good morning. I'm Joe Collins. Welcome to See Me Church. Go ahead and be seated. Wanted to uh, say to the church that uh, on that weekend that Tim mentioned uh, for the uh, uh, Special Olympics, it is a Sunday morning. Obviously, if you decide to go, you would be missing church. That is okay. That's a good, good reason. If you do, no, no, uh, no criticism from me. If you want to be a part of it, go do it. It's going to be awesome. I have to be here to preach or otherwise I would go. But if you want to go, feel free. Also want to say thank you to the worship team as always and to Anthony for doing such a great job and for sharing from your heart, especially about prayer today, because that is the theme of the message today, which I don't even think you knew that. We didn't coordinate at all, but it's amazing how God works all these things together. Just another example of God's working in our life. So we've been doing this thing we call the Oikos principle, this, this idea that uh, that the best way or the primary way in which Jesus spread his message was through the relational world of his followers. We introduced that concept uh, last week. And I think as we go through scripture more and more and we study it more and more, you're going to see how common it is in scripture that Jesus always started with people he knew. And then he taught those people to go to the people they knew. And that was primarily the way he spread his message. And if you, if you doubt that that would work, if you say to yourself, hey, but how is that going to get the word out to the whole world? Well, the proof is in the pudding, because within one generation after Jesus's life on earth, the entire world had heard the message of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, from that starting point in Galilee, so many thousand, a couple thousand years ago, when Jesus first started his ministry and he called just a handful of guys to be his followers, from that point to today, Christianity is by and far, by far and away the largest religion that ever has existed in human history by a lot. It's pretty phenomenal when you think about it. And it all boils down to, as I said last week in my, in my Sicilian heritage, I know a guy. That's really how they spread the message of Jesus. Hey, let me tell you about this guy I know. I know this guy. And so with that, I want to talk today about prayer. Because prayer has a tremendous impact in every aspect of our lives. It is the shot that wins the battle. Yet prayer is something that is hard to do from time to time. And it's something that we sometimes lose faith in. It becomes kind of mundane. It becomes rote sometimes in our life. And sometimes we forget to do it all together. And so we need to be reminded of the power and the importance of prayer. That it works. It matters. It has an effect. And it has an effect on your oikos as well. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, really, a, uh, he, he was a, a theologian that lived in the last century, uh, wrote some of the uh, most profound and important books uh, about the faith. As many others, he wrote Chronicles of Narnia. Some of you may know that series. He's written other books as well. But he, he was uh, just a, uh, a force of nature when it came to theology and understanding scripture and, 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 and thinking intellectually about the Christian faith. And yet he had this ability to, to, to communicate it to children. He could communicate these incredible concepts to children. And in my life, I was introduced to his readings as a young kid and, and really 
even though I've never met him, he was dead long before I was even born. In many ways, he was a real mentor in my life. His writings, his books, uh, I, I cherish them. Well, he, he was famous for being this incredible thinker. And in 1993, there was a movie made about his life. One of my favorite movies is called Shadowlands. I encourage you to watch it. It's a great movie. But it really focuses on his relationship with his wife, Joy. Now, C.S. Lewis was not really a married kind of guy. He was not a marryable kind of guy for most of his life. It's not, it just wasn't in his, in his nature. He was a bachelor for most of his life, but late in life, he met a woman and some argue that it was maybe more a marriage of convenience, but they did marry and they did fall in love. Unfortunately, the marriage only lasted four years because she died of cancer. And the movie Shadowlands is primarily about his relationship with Joy. And in the movie, one of the characters is talking to the character who plays C.S. Lewis. And he says, Christopher can scoff, Jack. C.S. Lewis's nickname was Jack. But I know how hard you've been praying, and now God is answering your prayers. Lewis replies in the movie, and this is an actual quote of C.S. Lewis. They worked it into the dialogue. That's not why I pray, Harry. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. With that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, it is so tremendous to be before you in a prayerful mood. Really, when we come together at church, it is an opportunity for us to, to turn our attention to you, to come into your presence. And God, I pray that you will speak to us now and minister to our hearts as we look into your scriptures and really try to delve deep into this idea of prayer and the power of it and the importance of it in our life. Thank you for being a God that listens to us, that wants to hear our requests, that wants to hear our, our prayers, and acts in such a way to help us see those prayers answered. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? One of my favorite parables of Jesus, it's about prayer. When you think of a parable, Jesus often spoke in parables. There were stories. It's not an uncommon way to communicate. You tell a story, the story sort of has a, a point to it, and it helps people remember the point. And when you read a parable in the Bible, 
one especially that Jesus taught, it's important to not get focused on the details of the parable. There's a lot there, and there's some great insights you could you could maybe pick up on by breaking it down word by word and trying to figure out what every little symbol and, and thing represents, but that's not the point of a parable. The point of the parable is to, is to make one main point. And in this parable, it's clearly about prayer. As a matter of fact, Jesus even tells us, hey, I'm going to tell you this story, and it's about prayer. So he even gives us the point right off the bat. He says they should always pray and not give up. That is the purpose he had in mind for telling this story. So whenever you read a parable, it's always important to find the main purpose. Make sure you get that first before you try to understand anything else or dig into it any further. And then you got to be careful because sometimes you can make something up there that isn't really intended. Because again, parables are a story with intent and they just really have one main point that they're making. In this case, Jesus gives us that point. And the word he uses there for always in the Greek is pantote. And it means always at all times. And the emphasis is on frequency of praying. So he's not saying that you have to walk around praying 24 hours out of the day. He's saying that we should be praying frequently. That it should be a normal part of our daily life. It's a lifestyle. At the end of the prayer, Jesus asks the question, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And now we have this connection between faith and prayer. In other words, when Jesus returns, is he going to find you and me praying? If he does, that's probably a good thing. And so there's this connection between faith and prayer. You really can't have one without the other. And it's something that we do frequently over time. It's a lifestyle. Here's the point. Faithful people pray faithfully. I don't mean faithfully in the sense that they believe that the prayer is going to get answered because that doesn't always happen. But I mean faithfully in the sense of frequently. We don't give up on it. We don't stop doing it. If you're like me, praying faithfully, persistently, is one of the hardest things I do every day. It's just so easy to want to try to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to add to Anthony's story, being such good friends, and I do believe God touched you on the nose in that moment. It's very clear. But in that story, what he didn't share was that for the first hour of the procedure, uh, on the screen, they would uh, pump a dye, I think, into you, and you could, he could see the dye in his blood vessels. And so he was doing his best to make sure that he breathed deeply, because every time he had more oxygen in his blood, the dye was brighter. And so in Anthony's own way, while he was there naked on the table, thank you for that image, <laughs> Anthony was trying to help the doctors by taking big, deep breaths so that the, the dye would shine up, show up really clear on the screen. And I appreciate that. And who wouldn't want to do that, right? Try to take matters in our own hands. But the truth is, there was really nothing Anthony could do to make that procedure go good or change the outcome in any way. I mean, I guess if he tried to get up in the middle of it, that would have been bad. But there was really nothing. He was in God's hands. It was completely on God. But as people, don't we? We try to make the outcome work. We try to get involved. And so sometimes we forget to pray because we're too busy trying to make it turn out the way we want it to turn out. Or we're trying to help it. 
it is the toughest thing to do is to pray frequently and over time. It's, it's so hard to pray faithfully because too much of us gets in the way. I'm going to ask a question of you, and I would love some feedback. What hinders your ability to pray? What things get in your way? They, they, they stop you from praying faithfully and persistently over time. What, what do you struggle with? You all pray amazing. It's just me. It's just me. Oh, yeah, right here. Lack of discipline. Okay, that's a big one, yeah. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Don't want to be disappointed if you pray and it doesn't come through. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about discipline, yeah. I believe me, right there with you. Same, similar to Amber. It's that frustration. You've been praying, praying, and there's no answer. Yes. Guilt. Not putting God first. Was right here someone? Yeah. My sister. Don't know how to pray. Oh, that's that's helpful to hear. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, way in the back. That's a really good one. Yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, doesn't God already know? What's the point of this praying, right? One more. Undeserving, not worth it. You know, we all have things, right? And we could probably all relate. I mean, we're all, if we, we listed them all out, we'd probably all go, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I felt that. Yeah. For me, I have three F's that keep me from praying. Frustration, forgetfulness, and conflict. My three F's. We're going to talk about frustration for a minute. Now, in the study today, I normally like to dig into one passage and stay there and not leave it because I really believe in what's called exegetical teaching, which means you just take a a section and you stay there. You don't bounce all over the place. But that's not the only way to preach God's word. It's not the only way to study God's word. There's also what's called topical, where you take an idea and then you go through the various books of the Bible and you can find that theme in every one of the books and you can sort of pursue the topic in the way it's expressed in many different uh, books of the Bible. Today we're going to do a topical Bible study. We're going to bounce around through lots of different passages. And I'm not going to give you a ton of detail on it or a ton of background because we're really just focused on the subject, not so much the context of the passage, okay? So, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 9, Paul talks about this feeling of frustration. Some of you mentioned it. It's hard to want to keep praying when you don't feel like you're getting the prayers answered. And here we see Paul, he's an apostle, a follower of Jesus Christ, And he speaks to that very experience. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, before you say, well, geez, he only prayed three times. That doesn't relate. I've been praying for three years for this this issue or 30 years, whatever the case may be, you got to remember something. Paul prayed three times and then God just said no. I mean, God was not going to answer this prayer. He told him very clearly, you're not getting an answer to this one. That's it. 
Now, we don't know what it was that he was praying about. It was some sort of weakness, maybe, some sort of struggle that Paul had. There's all kinds of theories. Some of them are crazy. One of the, one of the ones that's maybe in the ballpark is that it's believed that Paul had bad eyesight, and, and so he really wanted to be able to write letters and, and help other Christians, and because his eyesight was bad, it was, it was a struggle for him, and maybe that's what he was praying about. I don't know. But the point is, is he experienced the frustration of an unanswered prayer. Who hasn't had that experience? Who here can say, oh, God answered every one of my prayers all the time? None of us, right? We've all felt that frustration. And that frustration, if you're like me, can cause you to go, why am I praying in the first place? This is getting annoying. I'm not getting the answer I want. Why do I keep doing this? Well, Paul tells us, that God's answer to him was instructive. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. The fact of the matter is that there's no promise in Scripture. In fact, there's more of a promise that God won't answer every prayer than there is an answer, a promise that he will answer every prayer. The fact of the matter is not every prayer you have is going to get answered. And that is frustrating to me. It really does burn me out sometimes on the idea of praying. It's, it's sometimes just so hard to want to keep doing it because it's like, you're not going to answer that one, and you're not answer that one, and why get disappointed? Why put myself into that situation? But you know, Paul, in his prayer life, realized that that's not true in every case that God actually does answer a lot of our prayers. And sometimes we get so focused on the one prayer he's not answering that we forget how many others he has already answered or will answer or is currently answering. And we get frustrated with this one when there's so much grace to go around. Imagine if you called the pizza place. I mean, we live in a day... When, when, if we were, if you're hungry right now, you could order a pizza and it would be here in 20 minutes. You go home, if you're bored, you sit down, you hit the remote, you're getting entertained instantly. You gotta go somewhere, you don't have to pack water and supplies, you don't have to walk, you get in your car, you're there in five minutes. We're so used to having everything the way we want it, have we gotten so soft that we can't handle a no? Or, a time of patience or a pause before God answers the prayer? Imagine for a minute if you called the pizza place and you said, hey, I want a, you know, a, your two-for-two two deal and thin crust with mushrooms and you know, when can it get here? 20 minutes, great. And then they say, well, no, you can't have it. I'm ordering the pizza. No, we're not going to give it to you. The answer is no. You would be so mad. Imagine if you sat down on the couch and you hit the remote. This has happened. You hit the remote and nothing happens, and nothing happens, and nothing happens, and then the battery's dead, and you're so mad. i got to get up. I did my time in those days when I had to get up and change the channel and stand by the TV because my dad or someone wanted me to change the channel. I did that. Some of you don't relate to that, but some of you do. Or if we, you know, get, you go out and you find out your car's got a flat, and you're like, Curses! Good year. Can't go where I want to go right now. I mean, we're so used 
to having what we want, when we want it, at the time we want it, that maybe, maybe we just kind of have to get a little tougher. We have to get a little stronger in our character. That sometimes God does say no to us. Sometimes God says, well, not now, not now, but uh, it's not, it's not no, it's not yet. Maybe it's going to happen later. And yet we have a hard time with those answers. Have we gotten that soft? I'm not trying to trivialize any prayer that you've been praying for. I know they're important. All the ones I pray for, they're important to me. But I'm just wanting to give us a little bit of perspective. That the the act of prayer is so important that we have to be able to continually persist in it. It matters. It's vital. And and, and we're going to have to sometimes take the good with the bad. We're going to have to take the no's and the yeses. God's grace is sufficient. Forgetfulness. Somebody mentioned discipline. It's the same idea. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know, I know it sounds trivial, and and it probably feels trivial to you, but sometimes we just forget to pray, right? It's just easy to do. we got a lot going on. We're busy. We're trying to get about our day, and we forget to pray. Well, I want to show this verse and two others, because in these three verses, we're going to see some very simple disciplines, speaking to the discipline of prayer, or even speaking to, to some degree the how of praying, that I think will help you. And if you put these into practice, they've helped me. They'll help you overcome the forgetfulness that comes when we pray or that can happen to us and hinder our prayers. The first one is that Jesus got up early in the morning. Jesus had a certain time when he prayed. And if you read the Gospels, you'll notice it. He prays in the morning. He prays late at night. He prays in the evening. He had these times throughout the day when he would make sure he set aside for prayer. It's a very simple practice. It's a very simple discipline. You can put a, 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 an alarm on your phone and remind yourself, oh, i got to pray. And just, just that alone will help you pray persistently throughout the day. Right. It's a basic, simple practice. They don't have to be dramatic prayers. You don't have to start speaking in Old English. <laughs> you don't have to be on a mountaintop or soaring on a, on a hang glider for them to be important. There's examples in Scripture of people praying just before they walk into a room to talk to someone. Sometimes they're just short, simple prayers in the moment. My wife and I have a habit. Many of you, I'm sure, have this same habit. But when we take the kids to school throughout their whole life, we always made sure that we prayed at some point on the drive from the house to dropping the kids off at school. We wanted the kids to see that this is just a moment when you could say a prayer. I have a good friend, many of you know Ivan, he's up in AV, we talk most most mornings, and he'll call me as he's driving his kids off to school, and we'll pray on the phone, me and him and his kids, on speakerphone, and just say a short little prayer as he's dropping off to school. Just a great habit. He has a certain time in which he likes to pray. It's in that morning drive on the way to school, dropping his kids off. I do the same thing in my morning drive on my way to work, whatever appointment I have that day, I like to spend that time in prayer. On Sunday mornings, I get up really early on Sundays, and I go to the gym. I like it because no one's there. And I I enjoy a time of prayer while I'm working out before I come to church. 
it's a certain time to pray. Luke 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. If you want a, an example of a prayer that you can imitate and follow, read the rest of that passage, Luke 11, 1 through 4. It'll give you a great template for prayer. But I want to draw our attention to this idea of praying in a certain place. Jesus had places he liked to pray in. Sometimes they were on mountains. The Garden of Gethsemane was a certain place. When we read the gospel and he prays that prayer before he gets arrested in the gospel, for those of you that know the story, that wasn't like the first time he had ever been to the garden. The Garden of Gethsemane was a common place where he would pray. That's how Judas knew where he would be, and so he could tell the Jewish authorities where they would find him, because it was so common for Jesus to be there. Do you have a certain place? For me, again, I mentioned it earlier, I like to pray in the car. That's generally a good spot for me whenever I'm going somewhere. I don't listen to the radio too much. It's not really worth listening to anymore anyways. So I like to pray in the car or sometimes at the gym if it's early. Do you have a certain time? Do you have a certain place? Those two things alone, if you just put those into practice, they'll give you the discipline and the routine that you need so that prayers won't become forgetful. It's always funny, when our kids were younger and they were in grade school, I was always really good at praying during the school year. Because it was pretty normal to get in the car, drop them off, pray with them, and then maybe on the way back, pray, spend some time praying onto my next appointment. But as soon as summer came, we didn't have that routine and my prayer life would go all over the place. I encourage you to take time, think about your day-to-day -day life, and when can you find moments certain places where you can pray. The last one has really been helpful to me lately. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hours come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Jesus had a certain time. He had a certain place and he had a specific reason to pray. And his reason was you and I. It was the people that he saw in his oikos, in his relational world, the people that he loved and cared for, that he wanted to see make it to heaven, and he prayed for them. Maybe your forgetfulness or your lack of discipline has, tumbled, has, has occurred because you don't have something you're praying for. When you have the job that you need and you want that job, you pray regularly, persistently, with passion. Then you get the job. And maybe a day goes by and you thank God, and then suddenly I need something to pray for again, right? It becomes irregular again. Well, the one thing that has become very common in my prayers to, uh, in the last year and has really helped me avoid forgetfulness and have a reason to pray has been Oikos, the idea that I have a certain group of people that God has supernaturally and strategically put in my life so that I could witness to them. That has revolutionized my prayer life. I spend, uh, it's very consistent now that I spend time in prayer for every person on my list because I want them to know Jesus. It's motivating. 
Some of you weren't here last week. You didn't hear the whole lesson on the Oikos principle, and I encourage you to listen to the tape. I'm not going to repeat it, but I do want to hand out the cards. So I have some guys here. They're going to hand out the Mission Love cards. If you got one, great. If you want another one, take it. We've printed a ton of them. If you didn't get one last week, grab one today because I want to talk about the card for just a minute. Hunter, can I get one of them too, by the way? Thank you. So raise your hand if you want one. If you need an extra one, that's totally fine. But I just want to walk through this for a minute because you'll see the connection here between prayer and, and a reason to pray. There's one way in the back and one way in the front. So if you take the card and you look on the back, there's a bunch of empty spaces here. And on those empty spaces, there's about 15 of them. That is for you to write down the people who you think God has supernaturally and strategically placed in your life. The people that he has put into your path so that you could be a witness to them. Now, last week, we talked about this in depth, and the idea was the challenge I gave you as a church was to go home and spend a week praying about it, thinking about it, and start making your list. And it's okay, your list will change over time, but just start working on it. Remember, if you don't write it down, it won't happen. So make your list. If you're just getting this card for the first time today and you weren't here last week, great. Take this week, spend that time, try to identify who is it that God's given to me to be a witness to. Pray about it for a week. Put their name down on the list. Then the next step, if you look on the card, is to pray for them. To pray consistently, persistently, and often. Pray for these people on your list. Pray that they will sense God working in their life and be open to his love. That alone has revolutionized my prayers in the last year. I've been doing this for about a year now, my wife and I, and the ministry staff, we started this a year ago because we really wanted to, because uh, we really believe this is the way to go, that there is no, uh, uh, there's no other thing past this. This is who we are as a church and what we're investing in, and we're going all in with it. We're not giving up on it in six months or even a year. We want this to be who we are. It fits perfectly with the idea of mission love. We've got people who God has given us to love, and we need to focus on them and love them. And that all starts with figuring out who they are and praying for them. And what's cool is on this list, there's even a place under purposefuls for people who are already Christians. Maybe you have a group of close friends who are Christians, and yes, you should be praying for them regularly because you need them to help you stay faithful. So it's not just about people who are not followers of Jesus. There's also room for people who are important to you. My wife, first on that list. And then I have a group of close friends and my son Hunter and others. But they're there. They're in my purposes. I pray for them. What a great thing that is that we pray for each other on a regular basis. That you have a circle of friends and you do and you do and you do and so on. And now we're praying and it's elevated the need and the importance of prayer in our life. So my challenge to you for this week, if you haven't already, identify your people and then begin praying regularly for them. This alone will help you overcome any forgetfulness 
that you might have been struggling with or any lack of discipline that you might have been struggling with. I want to quote C.S. Lewis again. He wrote, I have two lists of names in my prayers. Those for whose conversion I pray and those for whose conversion I give thanks. The little trickle of transferences from list A to B is of great comfort. You know, I can say that that has been true in the past year. I have watched slowly people move on my prayer list closer to the other side. People who I'm praying for to become Christians, they've been moving. And it's just amazing to see God working, and it builds my faith. And so even though some prayers don't get answered, others are being answered. And the power of prayer is on display. Have a certain place, a certain time, a certain place, and a specific reason to pray. And it will go a long way into helping you not forget to pray. The last one, conflict. My final F. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Again, I'm not giving a lot of context. We're bouncing through the Bible. But there's an interesting statement here by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3. He makes this connection between our ability to pray to God and unresolved conflict. In the context here, he's talking about husbands and wives and the importance that they, husbands in particular, need to be considerate to their wives so that happy wife, happy life, that statement is true, comes from this verse, as a matter of fact. And when you have happy wife, happy life, it's much easier to pray. When you're not in conflict with the people that you're close to, Praying is a much easier thing to do. But when there's conflict, it's really hard to want to pray. I don't know about you, but I've had conflict in 25 years. And I've gone out to go pray. And within uh, the first 10 steps of my prayer, I'm arguing with the person in my head and the prayer is forgotten all about. Maybe you've had that experience. And then you go, wait a second, I'm supposed to be praying. You start to pray, pray, and you take 10 more steps, and you're right back into the argument. And you just can't get it out of your head. Resolving conflict, especially with the people we're most close to, is so important in order to help us grease the rails, clear the path for prayer. But it's not just wives. It's also people we interact with. Therefore... Matthew chapter 5, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. It's so important that we work to resolve any conflicts, any unresolved, uh, 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 have any, anything we need to resolve between each other in order for our prayers to not be hindered. And it's not so much... Maybe it's true that God doesn't listen to us because he thinks, hey, if you don't love them, you can't love me. And that's a, that's, there's a lot of truth to that. If you don't love the brother who you see, how can you love God who you don't see? Another quote from Scripture. Maybe there's some truth to that, but I think it's also just God knows our nature. When we're unresolved, we can't think about anything else but that issue. And so it consumes our thoughts. So the last thing, 
is to get resolved with anyone that you're unresolved with. As long as it depends on you, as far as you can go, be in peace with people so that you can enjoy an incredible and meaningful and fulfilled prayer life, persistent and faithful. So why do we do this? Why go to all the trouble to be like the persistent widow? Why go through all this so that we can just be persistent in prayer? Why does that even matter? Does it even matter? Somebody in the back asked, does it even matter? I mean, God's going to do what he does. Do our prayers even matter? And the answer is yes, they do. If God can move a camera to touch Anthony's nose to let him know he's there, God has given us a certain amount of influence over the world we live in. And so your prayers matter. They're not just some practice or exercise that God wants us to do for no purpose. I'm going to tell a little funny story. I enjoy to hunt a little bit here and there. Not a ton, but I enjoy hunting. And uh been hunting for a bird lately. And that has prompted me to want to learn about birds. So now I'm getting into bird watching. <laughs> this is the weirdest thing. I didn't think I'd ever say that. Bird watching. But what it is, is I, I got so interested in trying to figure out what birds you can shoot and not shoot that I started studying the birds so you could tell the difference as they're flying. It's not as easy as it looks right away. And as a matter of fact, you first start and you're like, I don't know what I can shoot. It's scary and you don't want to shoot anything that you're not supposed to shoot. And so you see these things flying around and you've got to figure out what bird is what. So I've been learning about birds. And now I really enjoy sitting outside watching birds fly. <laughs> I really do. I like to look at, oh, hey, I know what that bird is. Oh, I don't know what that one is. But you notice little differences in how they fly. Some birds fly ugly, like ducks fly ugly. Their wings are low. They got long necks and they flap like crazy and they're, they're kind of whatever. They, they, they look like they're having a hard time flying. And then there's other birds that like flap once and then they just sail through the air. It's so cool to watch. Some of them look like seals in, in water just doing this as they fly through the air. Other birds are all over the place and it's like crazy. And of course, the ones you have to hunt are the ones that you can't hit because they fly all over the place. <laughs> but I've really enjoyed learning about birds and about how they fly. I went through all the trouble because I wanted to get good at hunting. I really believe that if we get good at prayer, there is a purpose to that. That God has given us some measure of influence over the world we live in. And, and by our prayers, not by our, our, our own uh, will, although we can do some of that too, we can co-create God with God, but by our prayers, we can actually change the course of people's lives by simply praying for them persistently. I believe that exists. It's not just, hey, it's all going to happen no matter what, the way it goes, and prayers are irre irrelevant. I want you to close with one last quote from C.S. Lewis, then we'll stand and we'll pray. We know that we can act and that our actions produce results. Everyone who believes in God must therefore admit, quite apart from the question of prayer, that God has not chosen to write the whole history with his own hand. 
Most of the events that go on in the universe are indeed out of our control, but not all. It is like a play in which the scene and the general outline of the story is fixed by the author, but certain details, minor details, are left for the actors, you and I, to improvise. It may be a mystery why he should have allowed us to cause real events at all, but it's no odder that he should allow us to cause them by praying than by any other method. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close out with prayer and you'll be dismissed. Father, it is so good to know that praying matters. That as minor as it may be in the big picture, what we pray for and what we persist in prayer for and what we beg of you for can and will oftentimes be done in your time, in your will. God, help us to be okay when it doesn't go that way. Help us to remember how many other times it's gone our way. How many other prayers have been answered. Help us to be able to take the good with the bad. Help us to be disciplined in our prayers, God, so that we can persist. And God, help us to resolve any conflict so that nothing hinders. We are so grateful that you are a God who listens to our prayers. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.